0: Uh, today's sponsorships are Naftali Tilson of Talmand Israel in honor of the art site of his dear parents, Biona Ben Avram, um, Leib Ishtam Bia of Rivka Bassiakov. To this week's learning is sponsored by Yehuda and Jenny Goodhart, Lila Nishmas, Yeshaya Zalman Ben Lazar, and Binyamin and Alana Levin in honor of the birth of a granddaughter, Leora Sarah Levin. We are today beginning on Lamed. today's daf is da Gitten daf mem. 40. We're starting on Lama Tess, Lama Bez, the last line. The overall topic of today's DAF is freeing slaves. And then it kind of subdivides into four main, uh, four categories. The first category is whether an eved, whether a slave, can do a certain behavior. And if they perform a certain behavior, does that indicate to us that they have therefore been previously freed based on the behavior that they're doing, indicates that uh, they wouldn't be doing it unless they've been freed previously. So that's the first topic, and we begin at the bottom. If a slave marries a regular free woman, that is an indication that their master has freed them previously. I'm earlier, Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan said, Is this the halacha that you have? The halacha that I have taught is, If a master tries to write a shtar of marriage for his slave woman, meaning he's essentially marrying his slave woman, Rabbi Meir Omer, Rabbi Meir says, They are married. They are married. And the Chachamim say, they are not married. So, why is this true? That if the slave marries another woman, and the master sees this going on and doesn't protest, that's indicative of the fact that the slave has been previously freed, or else the master wouldn't allow him to marry a free woman. Yet, when the master himself attempts to marry the slave woman, the Chachamim, who we follow, the Chachamim say, She's not married. That's not indicative of the fact that she has been previously freed. So the Gemara answers, Kedahama Rabba Barav Shiloh, tefillin. Rabba Barav Shiloh later on in the daf is going to say this concept of a master putting tefillin on the Eved. Hachanami, we can apply a similar concept here, and we will say, Kisharabohisi'u isha. That the scenario where... The, it's indicative that the master has freed the slave is when the—it's not just that the slave marries a woman and the master doesn't protest, but it's rather that the master actually arranges the wedding for the slave. Since the master himself arranged the wedding for the slave and gave him the wife, that's indicative of the fact that he's been previously freed. So the Gemara asks, Okay, but umi midi isura, we're saying then the fact that he arranged the wedding for the slave indicates that the slave has been previously freed but in the scenario when he marries the slave woman in that case we say that doesn't indicate that the slave woman has been previously freed but in that case the master himself is engaged in the Avera he himself is marrying the woman so in that case, if anything, we should for sure say in that case, it's indicative that she's been freed previously. So Amar of Nachman bar or of Nachman bar Yitzchak said, the scenario of the master marrying the woman is not what we originally thought. It's not just a typical case where he writes her a shtar and then attempts to marry her. It's specifically, to law where in the shtar it is written, tz'i bo in the shtar that he gives her, in the attempt to marry her, he makes it clear that he wants to free her with that shtar itself. Rabbi Meir Savar, so Rabbi Meir holds, Yesh balashan hazel shikhr. By doing that, that indicates that he has freed her. The Rabbanan Savri and the Rabbanan say, Ein hazeh In this specific case where he writes into the shtar, you should go free with this, and I'm attempting to marry you. So in that case, the Chacham say, that language itself does not indicate that she has been previously freed. But in a typical case where he himself arranges a marriage and there's no shtar involved, he's just arranging a marriage for the slave, it's clear then that he would not be arranging a marriage unless he had previously freed the slave. On that note as well, Amar Yeshua ben Levi, Evet yach tefilin bifnei rabo. In Eved, who puts on tefillin in front of his master, Yatzel Lecheros. Again, this does not mean that he goes free. It means this indicates that he has been previously freed because the master would not allow such a thing to take place unless he has freed him. we ask a question on this. If um, if his uh, master borrowed money from him, Osha Asau Rabo Apitropis or the master appointed him as to oversee something, to be, like, in charge of his estate, or if he puts tefillin on in front of his master, or if he reads three psukim from the Torah, essentially means he gets an aliyah in shul in front of his master, in all these scenarios, this does not indicate that he has gone free. So Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi a moment ago said if he puts tefillin on in front of his master, it indicates that he's gone free. And here it says clearly that that's not the case. So um, Bar Barav Shila here's what Bar of Shila says, Kisharabo he tefillin. It's not just that he puts on tefillin in the presence of his master and he sees it. It's that the master himself actually assists in the putting on the tefillin. Again, we say that would not have taken place unless he had previously freed him. Okay, that's the end of the first topic. The next topic that's going to take us to the end of this, Ahmed, uh, requires a bit of an, a, a short introduction. And that is uh, an idea which has been mentioned, but the, the concept is that when a person owns a slave, there are two elements going on there. And that is, they own, they have something that's called a kinyan mammon. Kinyan mammon means I own a piece of property. I own something. Um, that That's one thing. The other thing that you have there is something called a kinyan isser. It means that you have a relationship with something, and due to that relationship, there are certain halachos that are involved. So, for example, uh, when you get married, the Mishnah says, "hakona is ishto. So you don't actually, you know, own your wife like a piece of property. "Hakona is ishto means that, the Mepharsh say it means that there's a Kenyan or it means that now, due to the fact that we are married, so there are certain halachos that apply to myself and to her due to our relationship. So with an Evid as well, you have that. There's a Kenyan mamon, and a Kenyan Isser. So usually we don't really think of the difference in these things. The point is you either have an Eved or you don't have an Eved. The continuation of the Gemara here is going to start to split hairs and say that sometimes it's important to understand when the Kenyan Mamun exists and when the Kenyan Iser exists, sometimes they kind of split up, and therefore that has certain ramifications. So the Gemara begins, and it says, Amar Rab- um, Ki Aser Rivdimi. When Rivdimi came from Eretz Yisrael to Bavel, he reported the following thing in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. The halacha says, a person is about to die, and they make the following declaration. I don't he tells his children, don't work the slave woman after I pass away. So Rabbi Yochanan said, Hayorshin, get We force the children, the inheritors, and they must free the woman, because the father said, don't work her after I die. Amru Lufanov, Rabbi Ami, of v- Rabbi Asi Rabbi Ami and Rabbi Asi said to Rev Dimi, Rabbi shebaneha avadim? aren't this woman's children? Aren't they slaves? What does this mean? So Rashi says that he says, I'll read it out loud, Rashi says When the master says, don't work this woman, that's not a language that indicates that he's freeing her. He's not making her ownerless. He's saying, look, go easy on her. Don't bother. She's a nice woman. Like, don't uh, drive her nuts. But any children that she has, she still retains the status of being a slave. The guy just said, don't work this woman. So Rabbi Amin Rabbi Asi said, if the guy says that, why should the inheritors be forced to free her? They have perfect rights to the children that she would produce. They are slaves, and the inheritors uh, have full rights to that. So Ki of Shmuel bar Yehuda, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, when Shmuel bar Yehuda came, he said that that was not a correct report. Rabbi Yochanan did not say anything about a guy who announced that he doesn't want his children to put his slave woman to work. That's not what he said. What he did say was the following. Mi amar b'sha'as mi saso. If a guy says before he dies, plon shifchasi, koras ruach asasali. She treated me nicely. koras ruach. Therefore, after I die, don't bother her. Then, kofen esayorshin va'osela koras ruach then we would force the inheritors to do a kind act to her. What is the kind act? The kind act is freeing her. But it doesn't mean that the master himself freed the woman by this statement. He just said, treat her nicely, do something good for her. And that's understood. Do something good means to free her. My taima, why is this the halacha? Because mitzvah, there is a mitzvah to fulfill the words of a dying person. And therefore, since he made this request, we should follow through with that. So now more on this uh, concept of someone making a declaration which is gonna have an effect on whether the slave is freed or not. Amar Amemar Amemar says, Hamafgir avdo, if a person declares his slave ownerless, Oso Haeved ain lo takana, that slave has no remedy. That slave is stuck. They are stuck. Why are they stuck? So the Gemara says, my gufe lo When you declare a slave ownerless, so now going back to our terms before, their body does not belong to you anymore, meaning you no longer own them as a kinyan mamon. However, Mm -hmm. isura hu di'ika gabe, there still exists this thing called the kinyan iser, which means there's still an element of me owning them. I just don't own them in terms of the concept of mamon, but I have some kind of connection to the slave. Which can only be undone if I give them a document of emancipation, if I completely, if, if I give them a shtar shichur. But if you don't give them a shtar shichur, that can't be done. So in this case, the person says, you're ownerless, okay? So they don't physically own the person anymore. But there's still the Kenyan isser there. V'i isura lo maknile. And Amemar says the idea here that this Kenyan isser cannot be given to the slave. Unless it comes together with the Shtar Shikhr, with the document that says you're free. Essentially when you Ahmed says when you give a slave a document that frees them, it's a, it's a full package deal. They're free. That's it. But if you do some kind of act like here where you declare them ownerless, in which case now the Kenyan Mammon is gone, but the Kenyan isser still exists. So the problem is this state this slave now exists in a state of being limited in certain things they can and cannot do. One of the things they can't do is they're limited in who they can and cannot marry. So Amimar um, says, that this slave is stuck. Okay, not everyone is going to agree to that. Amar Ravashi said to v'ha amar u'la amar how can you say that if a person declares their slave ownerless, that the slave is stuck? These two Amaraim um, said, zeh get They both said that if a person frees uh declares their slave ownerless, they go free and because they're declared ownerless, and you must write for them a get shikhr, a document that says they're free. Omar Light, so Amema responded back, Tsarich ve'en lo takana. He says, if you read carefully, what it says is, it says, when you declare them ownerless, they become ownerless, and they require a get shikr. He says, yes, they require that. That's what would be needed in order to completely square them away and set them on the path for total freedom. But the problem is, they can't get a get-shikrur. Why can't I, they not get the get-shikrur? Because they're no longer owned by the master. So that kinyan Isser, those limitations that they have, still are stuck with them, and they're stuck. Ika de Amri. others said, Amr Amemar, that Amemar's statement was made in slightly a different way. He said, If a person declares ownerless their slave, and then the master dies. That slave does not have any solution. They're stuck. My time why? When... They declare them ownerless. They no longer own the slave. Isura again, but these the Kenyan Isser still exists. The Isura livere lo moris, and that Kenyan Isser cannot be bequeathed to the children. When a person dies, their assets go to their children. In this case. The slave is only considered an asset as long as you have the Kenyan mamon, as long as you own them. But once the master declared the slave ownerless, so he doesn't own the slave, he just retains this Kenyan isser. And this Kenyan isser is like neither here nor there. It limits a slave and who the slave can marry, but it's not something that can be inherited by others. Amale Ravashi la Ravashi said to But Ravdimi said, in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, earlier we quoted, Ravdini Dimi said that when a—just um, go back up for a moment—Rebbe Dimi said earlier on the daf, Ravdini Dimi said that if a person declares at the time that they're dying, a person declares to their children, don't work my slave, we— which is like a Lushan of, like, freeing her, so to speak, we tell the children that they must write the Star shikhrer for the slave. So he says, why in this case, when the master declares the slave ownerless, and then the master dies, so you say the, the slave is stuck, why can't we tell the children to write the star shikhrer, just like Rivdimi said? So I made my response to Rivdimi to say, we already said earlier above that Revdimi Dimi was mistaken, that that's not correct. Omar Le, Sir Ashi said back to Amimar, my ta'usa, what was the mistake? We clarified this earlier. Delo amra bulashon shichur. Rev Dimi's scenario was that the master said, don't work my slave woman. But we pointed out that that's just because don't work her. means, you know, leave her be, don't uh, drive her nuts. But... Had he actually said, "I want you to free my slave woman," or he says, "I'm making her ownerless," perhaps that would work." Ha Amra If he did say it in a way that indicated he wanted to free her, Khanami, that should work. responded, "Ana Shmuel Bar Yehuda severely. I do not hold like Rev Dimi. We had two reports earlier. Both were made in the name of Rev Yohanan. Rev Dimi made one report. And then the Gemara said there was another report at which Rav Shmuel bar Yehuda said that that doesn't work. If a person says to their children, don't work my slave woman, there's no consequence. That rather the statement was the person who said to the children, you should treat my slave woman nicely, and by doing that, you should free her. That was the statement. So Amemar said, that's the statement that I think was more accurate, and that's the statement I am following. Hahu Discarta, there was a city, Avdi, of slaves. De Isdavin La that was sold to a non-Jew. So essentially there was a certain area of slaves that was owned by a Jew, and this whole area was sold to non-Jews. Kalu Marvassa Basrai. The non-Jews, the second owners of this group of slaves. Died. Asu lekame de Ravina. The slaves came to Ravina and they said, Can you do something to allow us to be freed so that we can marry regular Jewish women? Amar Ravina said, Zilu ahadru abene marvasa. Go back to the children of your original owners. You were originally owned by a group of Jews, you were sold to non Jews go back to the children of the original Jews that owned you, and they will write you a document that will free you. The Rabbanon said to Ravina, we've said earlier, Amemar says, if somebody declares their slave ownerless and then the master dies, also have it that the slave is stuck. So what do we see? We see the concept that the children are not able to write the shtar shichrur for the Evid owned by the parents. Amar Luhu Ravina said, Ana severely. I hold like Revdimi. Revdimi said earlier that when the master makes a statement it says, don't work the woman, that means the Kenyan mamon is gone and the Kenyan isser goes down to the children, and the children can free them. I hold like Dimi, and therefore, in this case, that would work. The children of the original Jews who own these people, they could therefore go ahead and free this group of slaves. Amru um, they said to Rev, they said to Ravina, de revdimi taousahi. Revdimi was mistaken. The Gemara earlier said that Dimi was incorrect. Amar um, to which Ravina said, my tausah. what was the mistake? It was Delo Umra that the way that Rivdimi said the Halacha was that the master said Al Duba, don't work her. But if he actually made a declaration and a request to have her freed, Ha it would work. Vihilhsa and the Gemara concludes, the Halacha ultimately follows Kiravina, that if the master um if the master frees the slave, the Kenyan Mammon part of the slave. This Kenyan Isser that remains does continue on to the children, and the children have the ability to free the slave after the master dies. Now a quick story: Haku Avda There was a slave that was owned by two people, a partnership. Kam LePalge. One of the partners freed his portion of the slave. Amar Idach, the other owner, so there's Ruvain and Shimon. Ruvain and Shimon own a slave. Ruvain freed his part of the slave. So Amar Idach, Shimon says, If the rabbis get wind of this, they're going to come to me, and they're going to force me to free this person. Why? Because as long as I am retaining my chilek, In the slave, the slave is limited in who can and cannot marry. So the rabbis are going to force me, they're going to twist my arm to to let, let the slave go. So what did he do? He still wanted that part of the slave. He came and he transferred the ownership that he had in the slave to his child, who was a minor. The thought process being... Right, that he kind of circumvented any kind of transactional thing that can happen after that because now the slave is by the minor. The minor can receive things. If an adult gives a minor something in halacha, the minor does own it. However, the minor can't now transact that out to someone else. So now the slave is stuck with the minor and the person can have uh, the rights to their slave. Shalcha of Yosef reads, Revela Kamed, of Papa. Surav Yosef sent this. Question to Rav Papa. In Shalach Le, Rev. Papa said, not so fast. Ka asa, ye asa lo, lo, ya lo, exactly what this guy did, we are going to do to him. He thinks he's tried to outsmart the rabbis. We are going to outsmart him. We'll get him back. Anan de de le everyone knows that kids like money. I thought he was going to say everyone knows that kids like lollipops, but he said everyone knows that kids like money. Okay, in those days it was different. So, what did they do? So, what did they we will appoint a person to oversee the child, um, to basically be in charge of the child's affairs. And we will um, dangle some money there, meaning offering the slave some money. Offering, sorry, offering the child money. And we will have this apitropus, this person who oversees the child's business affairs, they will, uh, they will be able to write the, the shtar shifr and free the slave. Okay, next part of the Gemara till the Mishnah gets into the question of certain statements and phrases that a person can make. Does that indicate, again, that they have freed their slave with the following statements? Taner the Brisa says, Ha ploni avdi ben If a person says, I made my Eved a free person, They have been made a free person. Behold, they are a free person. Any one of those three statements, Harehu ben that is a lashon of that indicates that they have been freed. I will make the person a free person. Rabbi omer, Rabbi says, Kana, the slave has acquired their own freedom. And the Chachamim say it does not work. Amar Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan says, Vikulan b'shtar. Just to clarify things, Rabbi Yochanan says, a person never goes free by the master saying something. All of these lashonos, all of these statements, must be written in the actual shtar, in the document that frees them. It has to say one of these three things. If any one of these three things are said in the document, the person is free. Why do the Chachamim say that if a person writes in the document, I will free my slave. And then they give the slave the document. Why doesn't that work? Sarashi so says, the hachimashma, e'senu ben Khurin. Sorry, uh, let's start with Rebbe. Rebbe says it does work. Why does that work? Because e'senu ben I will make you free with this document that I am now handing to you. Here's the document. You're free. Have a good day. That's what Rebbe says. The Chachamim say, Lo it doesn't work. Why? Because the Chachamim say, tacha ben When a person says, I will free you, that's just someone's word. That's someone guaranteeing, saying, in the future, one day, I will free you. And therefore, if they write that in the document, that's not an indication, the Rabbanan feel, that's not an indication that the document itself works to free the slave. Taner Rabbanon, similar concept with... Uh, property. If a person says, I gave this field to another person. nisuna This field has been given to this other person. This field belongs to another person. Indeed, the field belongs to person B. If I say, I will give this field to so-and-so, Rebbe Mayer Omer Kana, Rebbe Meir says it works. And the Chachamim say, the person has not acquired the field with that. And Rabbi says again, all of these languages, we're not moving the field from party A to party B just by the statement. The statement has to be written in the shtar, and the shtar handed over. Then uh, you have this whole discussion as to whether these languages work to transfer the property. Taner if a person, the B'raith says, HaOmer Assisi Ploni Abdi Ben a person makes a statement and says, I made my slave a free man. V'hu Omer. And the slave counters and says, "Loa saani, That never happened. Chai So who do we believe? The master or the slave? Chai shema zika al yidei achir. It's not a matter of belief or not belief. We say the slave is saying, You didn't free me. We have to be concerned that when the master says, I freed you, perhaps he did write him a document of freedom, and he gave the document to another person on behalf of the slave. And therefore the slave does indeed go free. One more time. We're concerned maybe he gave it to another person. Uh, Sorry, that's it. What if the master, though, says, I wrote my slave a document of freedom, and I gave it to him. So now he's being very clear. He's not just saying, did I free you or did I not free you? He's saying, I wrote the document and I handed it to you. Vuhu, Omer, and the slave says, lo kasavli, You never wrote it and you never gave it to me. So now there's a direct contradiction. Did the slave receive the document or did he not receive the document? So the Gemara concludes, baldin edim If a person themselves admits to being in debt of something, that's like a hundred Adem. So if the slave himself is declaring himself still in the state of being a slave, he's saying, "I am not free," so he's not free. Haomer nasati sadiplonis saploni. Similar idea with a field. If a person says, "I gave this field to another person," vuhuomer, and the recipient says, "Lo nasani, you never gave it to me." Chayshinan shema zika lo we are concerned that perhaps, again, he gave the field to the recipient through a third party. If he says, I wrote you a, um, a document and I gave you the field, and the recipient says, you never did, it never happened. In that case, again, if the recipient is denying the fact that he ever received it, it does not belong to him. So the Gemara asks, Mi ochel peiros? Ruvain says to Shimon, in our case, Ruvain says to Shimon, I wrote a document and I gave you this field. Shimon says, you never wrote the document, you never gave it to me, I don't own the field. So the question is, so we say, in that case, that the recipient indeed does not own the field. So the question is, okay, so what happens to all the produce of the field? Does that mean then that the original owner Ruvain gets to reap all the rewards of that? Rav Omar, amar, no Sein o'chel peiros. Indeed, Ruvain, if we are saying that Shimon is believed and that Shimon does not have property of the field, uh, um, he does not own the field, so then by default that means Ruvain owns it and then Ruvain gets the peiros. Veraba amar, and Raba says, mishalshin es hapeiros. We have to give the fruit to a third party. Basically, put them in holding until Eliyahu Hanavi comes because we don't know what to do with them. The Gemara says, V'lo pligi. and there's no machlokas here. Ha ha it depends who the two people are in court. If Ruven says to Shimon, I gave you the field. I wrote a document and I presented it to you and I gave you the field. And Shimon says, no, you never did. So in that case, we say that Shimon is believed and it really never happened. And Ruvain has full ownership of the field. In the second case, when Rabba says that, and and therefore, and therefore, Chista says that the owner gets to eat the fruit. Rabba says the owner does not get to eat the fruit. What's Rabba talking about? Rabba says, if Ruvain says to Shimon's son, I gave your father a field. I had a document and I gave it to him. And he says, no, you never did. So in that case, being the fact that the, Shimon, who's talking, is not the actual party who was involved, but he's the child of the party involved. So Rabba says we have to be concerned in that case. Maybe the father really did give the field either to Shimon's father or to uh, R- R- Ruvain perhaps, gave the field to Shimon's father or maybe gave it to a third party on behalf of Shimon's father. And therefore, he's talking to Shimon right now, so therefore we say Ruvain himself cannot eat the fruits. The fruits have to be put in escrow, sort of, or, you know, um, held out, because perhaps, really, something did did go on there. Okay, next Mishnah. The Mishnah says, If you have a slave, and the master made the slave a security for other people, so essentially the master borrowed uh, money from a person, and he said, if I don't pay you uh, back the loan, you can collect the amount of loan, you can use my slave. This and he freed the slave. Now, who freed the slave? The Gemara is going to get into this. Either the original master freed the slave, the borrower freed the slave, or the lender freed the slave. We're going to see in a moment. So the Mishnah says, shuras hadin ein ha'ever klum. The real baseline halacha is that the Slave is not obligated to do anything. <inaudible> because of HaOlam, <inaudible> We force the master to free the slave. Why are we forcing the master to free the slave if the Mishnah says he was already freed? The Gemara is going to explain all of this. The Mishnah doesn't really makes sense. If you just read it by itself, the Gemara is going to go through line by line what the Mishnah means. So I'm just going to read it through, and then we'll begin the Gemara. And we make the slave write a document um, for his value. Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel says, We do not make him write a document for his value. Rather, we just free him. Okay, what is going on here? So the Gemara will explain. Evid shasa rabbo patiki You have a slave. The master made the slave a, basically a, a lien for a certain loan. V'shichro, and then he was slaved. Mi who freed the slave? Amarav, Rav says, Rabbo Rishon. So what you have here is like this. A guy borrowed money. Ruvain borrowed $100. And he says to Shimon, if I don't pay you back the hundred bucks, you can have my slave. And then Ruvain went ahead and he freed the slave. So, Shuras hadin, ain ha'eved klum. By the letter of the law, the slave does not have to do anything, larabo shani, for the second guy, meaning for the lender, for Shimon. Ruvain borrowed a hundred bucks. He said, if I don't pay you back, you have my slave. Then Ruvain went ahead and he freed the slave. So then Shimon says, Okay, now can I have a slave? You didn't pay me back. So it says by the letter of the law, slave doesn't owe a dime to Shimon. Nothing. Shimon lost the rights to the slave. Why? Because Rava says, to Amarava, hektish. If a person has a cow, let's say, any kind of animal, which they made a apotiki, meaning they made it as a security on a loan and then they were it, they gave it to the on HaMikdash. Chameitz, or they had food, which was this security on the loan, and then Pesach occurred, and the food became asr ba'ana. or if they have a slave, and they freed the slave, mafkian midei shibud, that undoes the security. Elam ipnei tikun ha'olam, so if that undoes the security, going back to our case, Ruvain borrows 100 bucks from Shimon. He says, If I don't pay you back, you get to use the slave. Then Ruvain goes ahead and he frees the slave. So now that's it. Shimon can't use the slave. Shimon can't do anything. He can't go and now use the slave because Ruvain freed him. However, because of Tikun Ha'olam, what might happen onto Mem Aleph at the top? Shimon will see the slave at the store the next day, the Yomar and he's going to say to him, Avdiyata, you belong to me. Because Ruvay owes me a hundred bucks, he didn't pay me hundred bucks, and you were earmarked as the lien. So you belong to me. And we don't want these kind of statements, these rumors starting to surface. It's not really true, he doesn't belong to him because the slave was freed. So Shimon lost out, that's unfortunate. But the slave doesn't belong to Shimon. So what do we do? In order to prevent these rumors, Kofinus Raboshani, we tell Shimon, V'osa we tell Shimon, you must write a document freeing the slave, even though he technically doesn't own the slave, but just to preclude any potential of him going ahead and starting to say that he does own him, we say, okay, you know what, so we're going to play your game, you must write the document that frees the, the slave. V'kosev ebed Star al-damav, and the slave then... Um, and, and, and then we write a, a, a document for, for the slave, for how much the, the slave is worth. Rabbi Shem Gamliel says, We don't have to do that. The, the slave doesn't have to pay the money. Rather, the first master, the person who freed him, has to pay the money. What's the machlokas? There is a basic machlokas here, and with this we will conclude, what happens if somebody... Ruins something that is supposed to be a lien for someone else. So in this case, the slave was designated as a lien on the loan, and Ruvain came along and he freed the slave, which undid the lien. So, what are the responsibilities that Ruvain has towards Shimon because he ruined that? Demar Savar, one opinion says, Chayav, that if you ruin the lien of someone else, you're Chayav to reimburse them for that. Umar Savar, Pater, and one says, you are exempt. It's Marnami, It is also said, Hamazik Shibudo Shochaveiro, somebody who damages the lien of their friend. Banu le Raban Shimon ben Gamliel This is the Machlokes of Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel and the Rabbanan in our Mishnah, where the master frees the slave who is set aside as a lien. And therefore, the question is, who owes the money to the second person? to the lender, to Shimon, who owes the money. Does the master have to pay, or do we make the slave pay? The slave doesn't really owe the money, but the slave does receive the benefit of having been freed, and therefore perhaps we make him pay. Have a wonderful day.